You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. I'm your host, Evan Britton. Really excited for this guest today. I hope you guys are hanging in there. Uh, this is going to be a great conversation. We've got the man, Dr. Mike Hart, in the building. He is a cannabis uh, enthusiast. Uh, he's very much an advocate for the plant and its uses from a medical standpoint. I very much appreciate his perspective. I first heard of Dr. Mike Hart on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, debating against this guy named Alex Berenson, who at the time was writing a book, uh, Building the Case Against Marijuana. And I was really uh, excited and uh, I felt very relieved to have a guy like Mike Hart uh, on the opposing sideline there to debate against him and bring some true facts and reality to the cannabis issue. So, Mike, it's great to have you here, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me on, even. You know, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to, to get into it today. And, you know, really, uh, really happy that you were uh, offering me the, the appearance to come on here. So hopefully all your listeners uh, get all the questions answered that they want. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So I would love for you to kick this thing off with your beliefs around cannabis, what you have seen through science, through study, through data analysis, um, how the cannabis plant can benefit um, everyone from, you know, athletes to your average everyday Joe and, you know, what the, the, you know, the medicinal properties that this plant that I have had so much healing benefits from uh, can really bring to our global population? Yeah, so, you know, uh, great question. And, you know, a lot of athletes, uh, as you know, even are using cannabis. So, and they have used it, you know, very, very successfully. Um, you know, the big reasons why a lot of people, a lot of the athletes are using cannabis uh, primarily, I would say, is, is sleep is probably the biggest one. You know, a lot of athletes have really crazy schedules. Sometimes they have to train late at night. Sometimes they have to perform, you know, late at night. Um, and because of that, you know, they have difficulty sleeping and recovering. So, you know, with, uh, with cannabis, you know, a lot of uh, athletes do find that they're sleeping better. And because they're sleeping better, they're able to recover better and they can train uh, again or harder, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the following day. So, you know, I think that's where, you know, uh, one of the biggest benefits it is, but also too, you know, um, a lot of athletes have a lot of chronic pain issues. So, you know, cannabis can be effective for reducing pain. So, you know, CBD can help with reducing inflammation. Um, and then THC can really help because 
it provides a little bit of a dissociative effect. And because it provides that dissociative effect, you know, people feel that, you know, their mind isn't on the pain anymore. So they get really good relief. Um, and then, you know, lastly too, you know, athletes just like everyday people too, you know, sometimes experience some anxiety, you know, sometimes they're feeling low, you know, depressed, you know, it's kind of hard to train when, when you're feeling like that. Um, and, uh, you know, when you give someone a little bit of cannabis, sometimes that anxiety and that depression can go away and they can, you know, start to train again. Um, so, you know, this, again, there's a lot of different reasons why athletes are using, you know, cannabis these days, but, um, you know, th those are probably the main ones. I love that description or that articulation of the power of THC and its dissociative effect, you know, because so much of this conversation, people on the outside looking in go, well, you guys just want to get high. You just, it's just about getting high for you guys. And I think it's so important to recognize uh, through a medicinal lens, through a therapeutic lens, uh, the effect that THC has, the very, the very poignant effect it has as a, with that dissociative effect of sort of uh, disconnecting the, the mind-body connection of feeling pain, being entrapped in that pain, as well as, because for me in my football career, the THC aspect of it was very much a part of my, uh, the healing benefit I felt through my football career was very much towards that relieving depression, anxiety, and the stress of, you know, playing at this elite level and having to come back day in and day out, even though my body is screaming for relief, you know. And so being able to come home and use cannabis, I was able to disconnect from all of that day's work, that trauma that my physical and mental body had, all, had been put through for 12 plus hours of the football grind. And being able to come home and decompress with some cannabis, being able to now have a relationship with my family, being able to get some rest, you know, without the the constant stressors of preparation for the next day, you know, and that would lead into better sleep and better recovery and waking up feeling fresh and ready to go the following day. So I love to hear you articulate that about, you know, the very poignant and very real and very necessary um, position or effect of THC. Well, I think, you know, what you just kind of described and what we were discussing earlier, um, you know, particularly with, with the sleep, but also too, you know, you just kind of mentioned how it can affect your mental health positively. It can, because you're doing that, and this is not necessarily even specific to, you know, cannabis or, or THC, but once you get some relief, you know, you're able to keep going. So it gets you motivated. So it's yes. like when people say like, you know, complete the first task, of the day or to make their bed you know once they make their bed you know they'll kind of make their coffee get in the shower or whatever it is you know as as an athlete you know if you hit a period where you know you can't uh you can't um, recover because you know you can't recover mentally but just because of you know mental health issues or you can't recover you know physically because you can't sleep at night 
know, that's where, you know, THC um, can specifically come into play and, and help those people. And once, you know, sometimes you have that little bit of a lift, um, you know, maybe you will need that lift again later, but maybe you won't, you know, maybe momentum will kind of just carry you through. Um, and if momentum carries you through, that's great. And, you know, if momentum doesn't, and you still need another lift later, you know, that's what the medicine is there for. I love that. I love that, uh, description. Um, because it's very real, you know, it's very real, especially in my experience as a football player, it's a great way to put it in that, you know, if you can generate the momentum by diving full force into the work head first into another training session, another recovery session, you know, that this becomes your life. Once you become a professional athlete, your life is from the time you wake up for me, I was waking up at five o'clock in the morning. I went into the facility. I got some sort of recovery treatment, whether that was soft tissue work in a hot and a cold tub or, you know, got on the stim machine, which fires these electronic shocks into the muscle tissue to inspire recovery and help the muscle heal and, you know, um, activate blood flow to a specific area. And then you get in the hot and cold tub, do your stretching, etc. Then you're into hours and hours of meetings, watching film, breaking down plays, uh, game planning for the week ahead, etc. Not to mention then by, you know, mid-afternoon, you, you've got your two to three hour full padded practice and then more meetings after that. So it becomes just a constant grind and it can be really difficult. You hit a wall frequently, you know, guys talk about it in the NFL all the time, you know. Uh, for some guys, it's happening earlier. For other guys, it, ha it doesn't happen until later. As you get older and older in your career, you know, that's when substances become necessary, you know, for, for better or worse. Guys are taking on, you know, daily regiments of opioids, daily regimens of muscle relaxers, you know, just to be able to function to get themselves onto the field to be at their highest state. So why not if you've got something natural that actually is decompressing your nervous system as cannabis does to be able to have access to that and to be able to use that? I would say too that, you know, a lot of those guys, and this, you know, may be happening, you know, consciously or subconsciously, like sure they're, they're definitely using those medicines to help them heal and so they can play. But I think that they're also just using it because they just don't want to feel the way that they feel right now. Absolutely. Happen. You know, and, and that's why people use, you know, medicine in, in general. Like, why do you want to, you know, change your state? And that's something that I don't think a lot of people reflect on very much, you know, and like, yeah, like I'm drinking some coffee here now, just like you are. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if actually you're drinking coffee, good to anything. But, uh, <laughs> it is. Know, I, uh, I'm doing that because, you know, I know the way caffeine makes me feel. I know that it makes my brain feel good. I know it gives me a little bit of energy, you know, and I know how much I'm having. So I'm not going to, you know, crash later type of thing. 
Um, so I think that, you know, when, when people are using any, any substance, you know, you should kind of, and it's very difficult to do this. You have to be a very, very mindful person. No one, no one really does this consistently, but you should, you know, reflect on, you know, how your state is at the current time. And then, you know, reflect again and be self-aware of how you know, your state has changed with regards to the substance that you just put into your, into your body. And then, you know, the more you reflect on that, the better decisions you'll make. You know, you'll understand that, okay, yeah, I put that into my body and, you know, it made me feel good for about 30 minutes, but then it made me feel like shit for about six <laughs> hours. So, you know, I'm not going to do that again, you know? But, um, you know, people don't reflect on that. You know, they'll just sort of, you know, only re remember the good 30 minutes and then they'll take the substance again, you know? Right. So I think it's really important, you know, anytime you're doing anything, just to sort of like reflect on, you know, why, why you're doing it. Like if you're out at a party and, you know, you're drinking, you know, be careful of how many drinks you're having and like, understand like how be self-aware of like how you're changing like with each drink you know and um you know yes. you should really be uh and if, if you don't develop that that skill then you're never really going to be a person who knows you know what substance you may or may not need at, at a particular time you're just kind of going to be like hoping and wishing because you just want to change your state from the way it is right now Absolutely, man. That's so key. I was, I've been hitting on this message uh, in particular when it comes to food and nutrition. Um, you know, this is, this is the state of the world. This is where we found ourselves. You know, people are so in constant mental, psychological, overall chaos and we've been conditioned into this state where we are constantly in disbelief that there could be a correlation negative or positive to you know what we're putting into our body and how those things are making us feel you know i can't tell you how many how many experiences i've had with uh regular doctors or nurses etc explaining to them how I feel as though I can't eat a certain thing because it makes me feel X, Y, and Z, or because this medication that I've been put on, it makes me feel X, Y, and Z, and being almost literally laughed out of a doctor's office because there's no possible way that this thing that you put in your body could possibly have this effect on your overall being. But the truth is, every single thing that we put into our body, it has an effect. And if we can become more mindful and more reflective on how these things affect us, be it food, be it substances, be it alcohol, whatever it is, we can actually begin to get somewhere, you know, and we can evolve as, as beings, as, you know, in our physical experience of the world. And I think that's so key. You know, how do we do that, man? How do we, when you're talking to your patients are you talking about this type of practice getting mindful about um when you take a substance whether it's maybe a, a thc cbd capsule or whatever it might be whatever the thing is you know how do we get more mindful about what we're putting in our body and become to become intuitive healers 
You know, I think it's so interesting that, you know, hey, God bless doctors and the miracle work that they can do, whether it's emergency surgery or et cetera. Uh, but the fact that, you know, we've gotten to this place where we, the, the average everyday American at least, believes that a doctor knows more about how to take care of them than they themselves do who have spent a lifetime in this physical body. But I'm going to give over my health and my well-being to someone else. I'm going to, it's, it's their responsibility to keep me healthy. It's not mine. So I think that's part of this weird conditioning that we've found ourselves in in Western society. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and there's, a, there's a few things on that. Like, I would say that, um, you know, you hear all the time that, you know, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system. Uh. And, you know, the reason we may have that, and again, you know, I know that some, this may sound harsh, is it's not necessarily all of the doctor's fault. I oh, think yeah. that's actually much, much more on the patients than the doctors. I think that the reason why the healthcare system is the way it is now is because people are so dependent and needy and they don't know how to take care of themselves at all. And they love blaming other people for their problems. And if they have health problems, they can easily just blame their doctor. But the reality is, is that the reason why the healthcare system is the way it is now is because patients and people do not take care of themselves. So, you know, instead of, you know, having conversations like the ones that we're having now, you know, most of the conversations that doctors are having are not like this. They're really more about, you know, people who are very, very sick and they're very, very sick, not all the time, but most of the time because of their own actions. It's not because of the doctor. It's because of their own actions. And even if a doctor did prescribe you a drug, you know, you're the one who went to the drugstore, who got it from the pharmacist, who got the pill and who put the pill into your mouth every single day. So <laughs> don't blame the doctor, right? Like Fair enough, man. Like you're the one taking all those actions. So, you know, don't say that, oh, my doctor put me on something. You're the one who said that, okay, I'm going to put my faith in this other doctor's or this person's hands. And then I'm going to go, you know, to the drugstore and I'm going to take this pill every single day, right? Like that's all actions that the patient or the person had, right? So I think that more patients need to take care of themselves much, much better. And if more people took care of themselves better, then the healthcare system wouldn't be overloaded. You know, if 60% of people weren't overweight or obese, you know, we wouldn't have to make up all of these bariatric surgeries and all, you know, and all different types of like drugs for weight loss. But like they're being created because patients are making themselves like that, right? So it's really, and I know that, you know, some people might think that I'm being harsh, but like, you know, no. I don't because well, oh, that like what I'm saying is accurate. I know that it's way more on the patients and less on the doctors. And I agree with you that, you know, I know how very few doctors have education on, on nutrition, but realistically, how many people would actually listen to doctors if they did have 
more education on nutrition and how many of them would you know listen and actually implement it like there's a million different resources online right now that you can go find out anything about nutrition and you can go do that and you yeah. can your life you know you don't have to go to a doctor uh to get all that advice you can absolutely do it on your own so you know i encourage you know all of your listeners and everyone listening to this to you know take your health you know, into your own hands, so to speak, and, and try to make sure that you're doing everything you can in your own power to make sure that you're healthy. And then if you do that, you know, the doctor's going to see that, and then you're going to have a much better relationship with your doctor when things do go wrong. I appreciate that, man. I, I really, I appreciate that perspective very much. You know, as a guy who because I've always been, I come from a family that's very holistically minded. You know, I was blessed with parents who uh, believed in food as medicine, exercise, drink plenty of water, use whatever natural means are available before going to a doctor to be prescribed some medication. Um, that was just how I was brought up and how I was uh, you know, uh, sort of my belief system uh, since I was a kid. So my, my view can very much tend to be it's the Western medical systems doing that we find ourselves in this place. And I really, I appreciate you because you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, patients, individuals, it, it is on us, All, you know, as individuals, it's it, everything is on us, you know, at the end of the day, because there will always be merchants of death out there, as as you can sort of call them in any respect, you know, people are, you know, look at look at how most of our society is built on materialism and selling people a dream, a magic pill, etc., of how to make your life perfect and better. Meanwhile, we're forgetting the fact that it takes a lot of hard work and discipline to do anything in life, including keep yourself healthy and well and well. And the thing is with that too is like you know you say those words hard work and discipline and people like shy away. Yeah, know? people are like, "What? Hard work? Hard work and discipline is awesome. It's going to make you feel way better you know like if you're working hard and you're very disciplined your life is going to be way better than if you're not working hard and if you're undisciplined and you know people may may say oh like that's you know easy for so-and-so to say or easier for you to say but like you know not everyone like people, like most people have the same issues you know like i have three different jobs like i have my own clinic you know i work for ritual and then i also work for predict medics you know, and, but I still manage like to, to make time every single day and make sure that I take care of my body. And I still manage to make time and make sure that I take care of, of my mind. You know, like I make sure that I do my great most journal every day. You know, I make sure that I, uh, Love that. you know, I them, you know, and then, uh, I flip back and forth between meditation, my heart rate, ability, headspace, you know, whatever I'm kind of doing at the time, you know, I make sure I do that every day. And then I'm very, very careful with my energy and who I surround myself with. And, you know, I'm very, you know, intolerant to, to, to bad energy. So I don't, you know, I cut people out like, like pretty quickly if, if I feel that, you know, that, that energy around. So, you know, wow. I those things all the time. And, you know, that's, you know, why I feel, you know, overall, why I'm in a good state for, for, for the most part. 
But like, if you're not going to put in that, that energy and that effort, like you're not going to get the results. And, you know, people are looking for, as you said, you know, a quick fix or a pill or they're afraid of, you know, discipline, they're afraid of hard work. And, you know, we have to make like hard work and discipline things that people actually want to do. And they shouldn't sound, you know, like I think like those words shouldn't make you cringe. It shouldn't make you feel uncomfortable. Like they should make you, it should motivate you to actually want to do that and put it into practice. And, you know, the more hard work that you do do, you know, the easier it is to do the hard work. It doesn't, you know, that resistance comes down over time. So, you know, that's sort of the message that I think that we should be, you know, preaching to people. Like people are talking way, way, way too much about, you know, happiness these days, you know, and a lot of <laughs> a bunch of complete bullshit. Like <laughs> stop trying to like be happy. Like if you just work your ass off and you follow like your intellectual curiosity, whatever that is, then you'll end up just being happy. You yeah. know, I've never in my life like woke up and be like, oh I'm gonna like I'm gonna, you know, really try to be happy today. Like I think that's <laughs> completely insane and like completely counterintuitive. It's and so abstract. Completely dumb. Like it's a beginner mindset. And like you need like, I think people need to get out of that. Like what you want to do is, you know, again, you want to follow your genuine intellectual curiosity. Find something that actually motivates you and go after that. And then don't even care about happiness. And then that yeah. you happy as a byproduct because you'll, so, you'll be so happy with yourself and your confidence will increase from doing all these things yeah what is happiness yeah you know what is that what is happiness I'm, do you so i'm i'm really fleeting feeling yeah it's fleeting exactly it's it's another emotion that comes and goes you can't reach a state of happiness you can reach a state of joy and you cultivate inner joy by following your heart and putting a lot of hard work into expressing your truest nature as an individual, as this beautiful specimen of uniqueness that the universe fucking birthed out of your mother however many years ago. But Let's talk about that after, but go ahead. Sorry. No, no, but, you know, what is happiness? I think that, you know, because I'm always interested in I'm very much interested in getting to the origin. What is the seed of these mechanisms that we function under? And this idea of you should be comfortable all the time. You should be happy. Let's seek out comfort and happiness and let's exude anything that hurts or that's hard. It's creating so much weakness and just a pathetic psychological state in humanity. Like yeah. you're saying. And, and it's harsh, but like, that's, that's, that's the word is, is pathetic, you know, and, and Jordan Peterson, you know, like, who again, some people think is controversial, but I think he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he's talked about that, you know, quite a bit as well. Um, you know, how like a lot of, you know, men in particular, you know, aren't as strong as they should be. And, you know, and he also talks, well, it's, it's true. It's strong. strong. No doubt. No doubt. It's true. Too many people, like when I meet them, it's just like when you meet them, like, holy crap, your mom did way too much shit for you. You yeah. know, like uh, there's way too many people, 
in, in the world like that. And people have had too much stuff done for them. It's way too easy. And then, you know, as they get older, they're still children, you know, they're in their yeah. 30s, in their 40s, and they're still so needy, you know, and, uh, and that quality, you know, is, is really, really unattractive. You know, like people are not going to want to be around you if you're like this super needy person you know, who needs like his mom or him all the time. Like no one wants to be around that, you know? So I think that we, uh, and, and it's okay too. Like people, you know, knock on like shaming and stuff all the time. And I'm not saying that like, you know, shaming is, is you know, always a good thing. Sometimes it's really bad. But, like sometimes it's okay if someone like makes fun of you. Like sometimes yeah. you need you know yeah, and fuck yeah like you know like a couple of weeks ago you know i was i was uh you know training with one of my friends and uh he's he's you know he, he's a better striker than me for sure and grappler but and you know <laughs> i got up a little bit right um that's okay like that that was that was that was, that was good for me like maybe i needed it that day you yeah. know uh and i almost feel bad for people who have never been you know punched in the face before because there's yeah. You know, people say, oh, that's kind of harsh. Well, I'll tell you what. Being humble is very, very good for you. And there is nothing more humbling than getting punched in the face and taken yeah. down and beaten by another man. Getting and your ass kicked. Meet, like, other other people and be like, yeah, that guy's probably had his ass kicked before. Yeah, like, that guy's definitely never had his ass kicked before. Yeah. <laughs> I easily tell that, like, most of the times when, when I meet someone, you know? So... Yeah, I mean, I think that we need to really get people to sort of, you know, and for lack of a better word, you know, to, you know, toughen up in a way. And, you know, I don't mean that in like, you know, this dominating, you know, toxic masculinity way or whatever people want to call it. Yeah. Like all I'm talking about is that, you know, become more self-aware and try to get better. Like if you're around, you know, a certain type of guy and, you know, that guy, for lack of a better word, makes you feel like a little bitch, then like, you need to do something about that. You know? Like you need to up your game. Like don't call, you know, one of your friends who's also, you know, hundred pounds overweight and have a conversation with them. And, you know, basically you're just trying to get them to make you feel like your mom did when you were six years old. Like yeah. do something about it, you know, go to the gym, toughen up. Um, and we don't have, you know, too many people, you know, out there saying that, you know, we have too much coddling going on. So, you know, hopefully, you know, with, with more people uh, like yourselves, you know, putting that message out there, you will have people, you know, that, that will kind of toughen up and will, will be better. And, you know, that works well for everybody. So it doesn't just well work well for like the person, but it works well for people around them because you want to lead by example, you know, and everyone else around, you know, um, getting better, getting stronger, getting fitter, then, you know, you're going to want to do that too. Yeah. And like, even you know would, would go as far as saying you know like people are uh i don't think you know, it was actually going to happen but like you know i know that rogan briefly mentioned uh that uh jocko wilnick um you know would, would run with dwayne johnson for for presidency right so um rock would be president he'd be vice president and like i can just tell you like and i'm i guarantee i would i would tell you that like if those two guys just became president they did nothing. They didn't change any like food guidelines, nothing. Everyone would just want to be more like them just because yeah. they would like the, the I guarantee you Americans would be in better shape. It's like, holy shit, man, like look at our president. That's look our president. 
these bros are jacked. Like maybe, like maybe I should, you know, up my game here. Yes. You know, like I would do way more for nutrition and exercise than all of the other studies and whatever, whatever all the other doctors and everything is doing. Like that's what would actually help way more. I love that, dude. I think you're right. You're right. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, this conversation, it brings up something that uh, it's surfaced many times for me in my head and in conversations and in that, you know, a person, an individual, whoever it is, male, female, et cetera, non-binary, whatever you want to say about, you know, who the person is, where they come from, et cetera. An individual cannot reach its highest potential without facing adversity. A hundred percent. Yeah. Never. It will never happen. Yeah. If you are one of these people like like you've so eloquently put it who you know was babied through your entire life and never had to do anything and you know your mom or dad brought you meals to your room so that you didn't have to come to the dinner table and eat with the family etc you were buried in you know you know jacking off or fucking video games or whatever it is and you never had to face adversity and you continue to find yourself in adulthood in a state of perpetually seeking out comfort and safety and feeling good, you're never, ever, ever, ever going to become the person you were brought into this world to be. You're going to be a blob of shit that, that just consumes things in your static existence and you will never ever do anything positive with your life or, you know, your, and express your, your own uniqueness into the world. It it just won't happen unless you face adversity and you have to overcome hardship. And that's, and that's with everything. And that's with even like, even every, you know, person I, I, I enjoy talking to and like even being around have been through, struggle and been through you know a lot of hard shit in their life and you know that's what makes you develop skills like that's what makes people attracted to you you know like no one respects someone who had it super easy and just drinks all the time and you know is you know treats other people poorly you know people respect someone who has you know gone through something and can still show love to others because that's what happens too is you know some people you know, because we, we're all born naive and we're all born innocent. And, you know, some people, you know, when they when they get, you know, screwed over or whatever you want to call it, and like they'll, they'll lose that, that naivete, which, which is great, you know, so they're no longer naive. But also sometimes, too, they lose that, like, childhood innocence. And yeah. When you lose that childhood innocence, you lose all your kind of, like, playfulness, you yeah. know, kind of being fun and, and being silly and you know those, those silly jokes you make with your your friends your girlfriends or whoever it is you know so um so because of that you know i i think that a lot of people when they when they do become a little bit you know hardened um sometimes you know they can also lose that that type of innocence and then they lose that playfulness and when you lose that you also you know um, can become very, very unhappy and, and sort of rigid and yes. towards others. So, you know, maybe you, you climbed, 
you know, the mountain of, you know, going from, you know, boy to man, so to speak, but you also too, you know, lost that like boyhood innocence that you had. And that was something that, you know, made you very, very playful and attractive to other people. And, and also too, you know, when we're in, you know, our, our playful states, you know, I feel those are like, that's when we do some deep, deep, deep healing. You know, like yeah. I don't necessarily have to be, you know, chatting with a therapist or like meditating to be doing any healing. Like if you're in a, just a real good, beautiful state, we'll say like you're listening to music and you're, you know, cooking or something like that. And you, you know, you're kind of dancing and singing and smiling. Like those are really, really good states. And I think those, you know, do just as much healing as when you're, you know, maybe talking to your therapist or talking to your friend or something like that. And people lose, those states sometimes when they get harder as they get older and as they, and as they grow into an adult and you know they think that you know by having this like childhood like innocence um you know it takes away from like their masculinity or like their toughness or something like that when really it just makes them you know, like a bitter and angry and resentful person that no one wants to really be around you yeah. know i think it's important that you know even though we're talking about you know toughening up and, and not being naive anymore and learning skills and, and, and meeting new people. Um, you know, you also want to make sure that at the same time, you don't lose that like innocence that you have when you were, when you were a kid, because, you know, if you lose that, you know, you're going to lose a lot of happiness. When you lose happiness, you lose creativity. You know, you still want to be kind of like loose and open, you know, absolutely. And, and you don't have to be, um, naive to be like loose and open you know you can absolutely you know not not be naive but still be a very loose open person you know, want to meet people want to hug people want to love people you know and, and that's what I, I you know I, I hope people you know understand is that like just because I'm asking you know people to sort of you know toughen up in a certain way and to take more responsibility doesn't mean that I'm not still preaching you know, self-love and it doesn't still mean that I, I don't think that love is still, you know, the most important emotion that we can experience and that it's not, you know, exceptionally important in, in, in our life. You know, I feel that, you know, people who, who are open to others, you know, they do feel self-love and they do feel loved by others. So, you know, just because you're, you're going to, you know, lose you know, your, the, the, the naiveness that you may have had growing up and, you know, you may be toughening up. That doesn't mean that you'll ever, ever lose that sort of like self-love and playfulness. Absolutely. Great point, man. Great, great point. Uh, I've got a few things came up for me while you were saying that. Yeah. Um, one is at the end of the day, life is meant to be enjoyed. Fucking right. Yes. But you're not, but that being said, you will never fully enjoy life or be in joy if you're sequestered in your little tiny box, uh, you know, trying to stay safe and comfortable your whole life. You know, you're never yeah. going to have the opportunity to fully enjoy this experience unless you're willing to take steps to explore the world explore your being and explore your experience in the world um then the next point of that i think which is interesting because it came up for me in this as you were talking this idea of you know we come into the world with this childhood innocence and a and a, and a level of naivete and that is 
for many of us obliterated at some point or another by whomever or whatever. Um, and it brings me to this thing that, you know, we go through this educational process as we move through our childhood into young adolescence, into young adulthood. And then we have to actually have this experience of, of a de-education. We have to dissolve all of our understandings and sort of re-educate ourselves in a new way with the true realities of ourselves, our inner being, and the world around us. So the yogis, there's a very, the fundamental yogic principle is always coming back to this truth that you don't really know anything. Can you be in a state of not knowing, of unknowingness? And I think that that's sort of the evolved level of naivete, the childhood state of naiveness. And you, you leave that state because you become, well, you experience a sense of there's a, there's a jadedness, there's a coming to terms with the realities of the world, sort of the harsh truths, the ugliness of this place that we come into because there is always that there is the darkness and the light at all times, you know, or else this wouldn't exist, but coming to a state of unknowingness and being willing to accept the fact that you may not know anything, if anything at all. Um, and then finally, uh, the last part of that was, um, this idea once again of, vigilance equals freedom, you know, and constantly it's something that Jocko Willing talks about, you know, vigilance equals freedom, vigilance and discipline equal freedom. You never, you don't really set yourself free to fully experience this life until you develop that discipline and freedom or discipline and vigilance of a practice in yourself. If that yeah. makes sense. A hundred percent. I mean, and there's so many, you know, different types of, of discipline. You know, if you have, you know, mental discipline to get up and meditate and, you know, write in your journal and, and to read, then, you know, you're going to have a better mental state overall. And you're not going to have to worry about, you know, anxieties, you know, as much as other people or things, you know, surfacing because you're going to be putting yourself in, in a better mental state. Um, this then, is you know, this is the point that I thought you hit on, and I uh, I just remembered it. Self love. What is self love? You know, when you say the word self love, we're not talking. This is not talking about. Is it self love to sleep in, and the first thing you do when you wake up is you look at your phone and you scroll through Instagram, and then you go, you know eat a stack of pancakes and, you know, you sit yourself down in front of the TV and just start watching Netflix all day and you get really comfy and you order all your shit. Is that self-love or is self-love really doing the things you know you need to do, having the discipline and the vigilance to cultivate self-love with the practices that actually energize you and create that sense of inner love and inner joy i have a real kind of like simple definition of self-love and self-love is when 
you have the ability and fortitude to do the things that you know are good for you. I love that. I love that. People who don't have any self-love, they don't do anything that's good for them. So if I, if I see someone, you know, on the street and, you know, it, uh, it looks like they're completely unkept, you know, and they're, you know, super overweight. I know that that person doesn't love themselves. Yeah. Know that that person's not willing to, you know, put in put in effort to themselves. And just think about how you love others. If you love someone else, what do you do? You put in effort to them. You tell them that, like, you should take care of your body. You should take care of your mind. You know, you should meditate. You should do all these things that we know that you know we should really all be doing. You know, we all know these things. But you know, if you're someone who's 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 not doing that. You know, to me, that is reflection of self-hate. Yes. Don't like, it's like if I see you and like, you know, your fingernails are three inches long. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, you haven't, you know, gotten a haircut or, you know, taken care of like, you know, your hair in in like three years. (laughs) I know that like, you know, you probably don't like yourself. Like you don't think you're worth it. Like you don't worth it to to do that and you know if you don't think you're worth it other people are going to notice that right like if you don't think you're worth it how do you expect to meet someone you know either you know friendship or like romantic wise like absolutely or business wise or business wise like basically at that point you're just hoping the other person sees (laughs) that's what you are and that they're going to feel bad for you and that they're going to help you out that's basically what you're doing in that in that state Right. But if you totally hopefully you actually put some effort into yourself, you take care of yourself, that energy is going to rub off on other people. And then other people, they're going to also want to take care of themselves. And then you start sharing ideas, you create a friendship and then you guys make each other better, you know, and that's how, you know, friendships should evolve. You know, it shouldn't be, you know, someone enabling another person. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think, um, you know, we, we really should be you know, focusing on it. and coming back again to like self-love. I mean, it's hard to talk about self-love without talking about like self, self-hate. And again, like, you know, if you're, if you're one, like, if you talk to someone, say like, you know, David Goggins, um, yeah. what you're familiar with, I guarantee you he'll say that when he was 300 pounds, he hated himself. Yeah. He, that he'll say, even though he's an intense dude, I bet you he'll say to to you that he loves himself. Yeah. Because he's going to get up and get after it every single day. And yeah, he might be crazy and you know, people might think that, you know, it's it's you know what he's doing is nuts, but you know what? It works for him. Yeah. You know, it works for him and he's willing to do it and he's inspired a bunch of other people. So like more power to him, man. Like I'll never hate on that guy. I think he's awesome. He's the man. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, there's it's um the human species is a spectrum of individuals, isn't it? And so you've got, yeah, it's a very wide spectrum and you've got all ends of the, of the spectrum at all ends and all extreme at all extreme levels. And David is really this particle of what you can do when you're willing to sacrifice your physical body and your sort of seeming 
self-protective mechanisms. And when you can push yourself beyond that, you know, and no matter what, if it's 120 degrees outside, one of my favorite posts, I think it was from, it was from maybe last summer or something. And he's like, he was running and it must, he was, he said, it's 120 degrees out here. Mother nature is an angry motherfucker, but you know what? So am I. So I'm here. I thought it was brilliant, dude. Uh, you know, yeah. and it's true, man, because at the end of the day, the darkness, this is a, this, the idea of momentum and generating momentum and energy, you have to generate energy. Darkness and resistance are unrelenting gravity it's constantly pulling you down it's constantly pulling you somewhere else you have to create it you have to generate it through your own will you know through your own physical practice physical and mental you know our mind and our body are just this vehicle for our spirit to move through life you know and so And I talked about this on a post I did earlier. Our brain is the most magnificent computer the universe has ever created. And it's about what are you programming your mind with? Because whatever you program your mind with, all the trillions of cells that your body, your physical body is made up of, they're going to start enacting that programming. And whether it's I'm not good enough or I'm fucking the best there ever was, your cells are going to act accordingly, you know, and that's, that's a truth that many people are very reluctant to accept because we're all just praying for someone else. Please take the pain away. Take responsibility for my life. Please, somebody come save me. <laughs> yeah. And that's never, ever going to happen. And I never. think like, that's why a lot of, you know, friendships and also like romantic relationships, I think fail too. It's like, they think that someone else should be responsible for their happiness. Yes. And that's insane. Like it that's insane. insane. And that's, and that's really, really selfish to put on, you know, another, another person, you know, that like someone else like should be making you happy. Like that's, yeah. ridiculous. you know, I like everyone, as you said, and the only way, to be happy is to generate your own your own happiness and like we talked about earlier you know it's not something like oh i'm gonna like try to be happy today (laughs) what you have to do is like just we talked about earlier is you have to go through through struggle and you have to find something that you're genuinely interested in you know and like that doesn't necessarily mean that like you know if 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 uh that like you have to have like this crazy you know job you know that i'm not not necessarily you know saying that like you know if you're a female and you you know really really want to have kids and you really want to dedicate you know your life to them and that's it that's fantastic that's an unreal you know vocation to have amazing yeah other people much much better and you're going to be doing exactly what you want to do and what you feel called to do you know, that's, that's incredible. So more power to those people, um, you know, for, um, for doing that because, you know, they, 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 they're doing exactly what they want to do. And 
And that's what we need. We need more people doing exactly what they want to do, not what other people you know, are telling them what's going to make them happy. You need to figure out what's going to make you happy yourself. So you need to you know, try and fail, try and fail. And then after a few times, you know, you're going to find something eventually that makes you happy. And maybe that thing won't make you happy you know, for forever. They're going to have to try and fail and try and fail again. And then eventually you'll, you'll find something else. And you know, that's when you, know, you have happiness and that's when you find contentment. And that's when you find you know, confidence in yourself and when you kind of you know, stop searching for others and you start, you start searching within because you have all the answers within you. You know, and I don't mean that like we shouldn't be, you know, listening to other people or we shouldn't be, you know, listening to other podcasts or reading books. Like I'm constantly listening to podcasts Absolutely. every single day. Um, but at the same time too, you know, if I feel in, in my tuition that like I know something better, you know, I'm going to act on that, you know, and, 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 and the other point, you know, that you made earlier too, and you said that like, you know, basically like we're all, we're all born different. Like the experiences that you've had, yes. I've had in my life are completely different. So, you know, the brain waves and everything that's going on in your head, the brain waves that are going on in my head, the experiences that I had, only Mike Hart has had those experiences. Experiences that even had, only even has had those experiences. So you're going to come up with certain thoughts that other people are just not going to come up with. And I think that we should be more forthcoming, you know, with those thoughts. We need more authenticity in the world. We need less people copying each other and more people expressing themselves and their own thoughts. And, you know, it's not one of these corny things where it's like, you know, there's no one else like you in the world. It's like, no, like there really is no one else. Right. All of your experience. It's true. Well, <laughs> you probably do have something to contribute that no one else can contribute it. So don't be afraid and just start doing it. You know, love that, man. Yeah. I wanted to bring you back. I wanted to bring, bring us back to that. So you could say what you wanted to say about the, on that point. Um, you know, man, it's so, it's just, I'm reading, I, I'm reading a couple of incredible books right now that are so on point as far as what humanity is going through right now. One of them uh, is a book called Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. Have you read that? Uh, no, it's funny. I have a friend, David Hawkins. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely get into that book. That sounds interesting. Power Versus Force. It's fucking, it's mind-blowing. It's maybe my favorite book I've ever read. Really? Power, Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins. Okay. And he's tested, this book is all about how he's, he's taken kinesiological testing, so testing the strength and weakness of musculature through a simple arm-raised uh, test where you push the arm down, in correlation to negative and positive stimuli, whether that be spiritual or conceptual, of and he's mapped out human consciousness based on this this testing and he's done millions of tests on millions of people and it's remarkable this this book i highly recommend it um i'm not quite finished with it but the other book is this book called right use of will have you heard of this no but i'm interested in, the, in, in this one too 
So right use of will. I borrowed it from my brother. I don't know where the fuck this thing came from. It materialized from somewhere in the cosmos. Um, there's not even really an author. It is a channeled text. And it's all about how humanity is in an absolute spiritual crisis because of judgment and denial and how judgment and denial have deeply abused and negatively affected our free will as individuals. And how free will and a, a human's will is sort of, is the gravitational force by which spirit enacts its destiny in the physical realm. And so through judgment and denial, we've just gotten so far out of whack where, you know, our, our will is completely confused. No one knows which way to turn because we've been sort of conditioned, especially in America under this, you know, idea of an American dream. You go to high school, you get your high school diploma, then you go to college, you find some uh, form of study, you're, you know, you're supposed to find a, you know, a job that pays well, and then you find success. And uh, then you settle down to the family and you have kids and the white picket fence, etc. And then you're successful. That's life. There it is. You know, but this is just totally failing people, you know, um, because we're all thinking or expressing our lives through the filter of what other people have told us is right and wrong well there's all, all the things you mentioned like like you didn't really mention like you know spiritual growth or like reflection or you know self-awareness or self-improvement or self-development it's yeah. all based upon like you know achievement and don't get me wrong you know the when you achieve certain things you know, you can definitely, you know, feel way, way better about yourself immediately and, and sometimes even um, in, in the long term. But at the, at the same time, like achievement is not everything. And achievement yeah. is mostly only fleeting, yeah. you know, like it's like, yeah, so you can have certain have certain achievements and reflect on them. And sometimes they'll make you feel good. But mostly it's only fleeting, you know. So um, I think that like a lot of people think think that their happiness is going to be when I achieve this. Yeah. Achieve this, then I'll be happy. And that's pretty much the most dangerous thing you can almost say to yourself is I'll be happy when. Yeah. You have know, to figure out how to be happy now with what you have now. And if you can do that, you know, then when you do achieve, you're going to appreciate it, you know, a lot more. Because instead of, you know, expecting the, the achievement or expecting it to happen, you're actually going to, you know, not expect it and, and experience joy when it happens. So, you know, it's almost like a surprise to you. And, you know, I absolutely love, you know, Michael Jordan. I did like my whole life. I don't know how many you know, jerseys I have when, you know, growing up and stuff. But, um, you know, like one point that, uh, and I think actually, because I, I saw it on your Instagram, I think you read Stillness is the Key too by Ryan Yeah, Cole. love that. So he mentioned Ryan's one of my favorite authors. So he mentioned yeah. that book. You know, he compared you know Tom Brady to to Jordan. You know, I know Brady had his losses and all that, so it's not the exact same you know comparison to Jordan. But you know, it's kind of like the best of what we have, I guess you could say, in some ways. 
So, but it seems like the point he was making was that like it seems like Brady didn't really expect to win every single Super Bowl. Like he he definitely wanted to win, super competitive guy, and he won six out of nine. You know, yeah, the best quarterback ever. He's amazing, but I don't think he ex- he he even though he you know anticipated you know winning or wanted to win whatever you want to call it. I don't think it was like fully one hundred. Ex- like expected where that like to win so that when he won he was like actually happy he was like holy shit like i can't believe i won the super bowl or i can't go again whereas when jordan won it it was just like if he didn't win it like he just would have felt like a complete failure and loser so like when he won it i don't know if he experienced and you can talk about this in the documentary if he experienced kind of like joy or more like relief and for him it was just more like relief yeah no yeah yeah michael there's so much so many lessons in michael jordan's story and and tom i loved the last dance oh same here it reminded me you know it reminded me because i during his time for the most part i was a kid in new york city I was living in Brooklyn, you know, I was born in New York city and I lived in Brooklyn until I was about 10. And throughout that time he had that, that intense rivalry with the Knicks. But I always remember I was such a massive Michael Jordan fan and watching the last dance reminded me of how much of my own sort of warrior spirit, especially when it comes to athletics and sports came from watching Michael and how he, expressed himself because he was really the purest embodiment of basketball you know of of athleticism in in that sport you know he was so pure and his draw it was just everything and reading that book stillness is the key I sort of gained a lot of compassion for Michael because it seems like I don't know obviously now where he's at but you know, it seems like he hasn't, he has a lot of healing to do in many ways, you know, to release himself of some expectation that he still didn't do enough. Cause at the end of that, at the end of that documentary, I think he even says if they had kept us together, we could have gotten another one. Yeah, he did. He you did. know, and it's just like, dude, I mean, you're the greatest ever, man. Like but to me, no doubt about it. Me Number too. one. Greatest basketball player of all time, you know? To me, too, I I definitely put Kobe and LeBron two and three, and he's he's by far number one for me. Yeah, he was just so pure. He he created – oh, so one of the things that they talk about in Power vs. Force, um, people, humans throughout history – and I'm sure you got to roll to your next thing here pretty soon, but this is – I feel like this is a pretty interesting, you'll find this interesting. Um, There are energy fields that we function in, uh, within and without. And there's there's one in particular called M fields. An M field is morphogenetic field, which is basically... A human establishes an M field when they create a new level of expectation. So the four-minute mile 
is one of those M fields that was created. Because up until, I forget the guy who ran the first four-minute mile, but it was believed that it was an impossibility of human athleticism to run a four-minute mile. But then this guy did it. He ran a four-minute mile. And then after him, tons of guys started running a four-minute mile. And he created this M field. And so Michael really created this M field where you could be more than a basketball player. You could be a superstar in this field, you know, but he wasn't doing it for the shoe deals. He wasn't doing it for the celebrity. Michael was playing basketball and wanted to be great simply for the fact that he wanted to be the greatest basketball player of all all time. You know, and if we can all, we don't all have to, set our own standards but in some sense if we all could be um you know obsessed with setting our own standards of our own inner truth whatever that might be to the greatest extent of our abilities maybe we can just raise you know each of us can get into our own state of you know doing as much as we can to make this place as great as it possibly can be Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the more that people work on on themselves and the more that they improve their overall, you know, mental state, the more connections they'll be able to make with other people and the more people they'll be able to help and the more they'll they'll be leveling up other people. Yes. Like we kind of said, you know, if you you surround yourself, you know, with people who are basically, you know, just going to tell you that, you know, things are okay and, and you're okay when things, you know, really aren't okay. And, and believe me, there's plenty of people out there that will, you know, cry and sob with you and tell you that everything's okay, even though they're definitely not. But, you know, hey, and it, there's no, there's nothing wrong with crying and sobbing at times. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with crying and sobbing Either. after you get back on your horse. Yes, exactly. Crying and sobbing, and then you know you stay in that state, then that's bad. Yeah. But you have a pattern where, like, you know, you cry and sob, and then you know that after you cry and sob, you're gonna, you know, get back on on, on your horse. Then you know, go for it. Like, do like do whatever kind of like works for you. And I'm not saying that there's not a time to to, you know, like reflect and to almost you know like experience like sadness. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you know, I was here yesterday or there, you know, a week or whatever it was, and this person kind of made me feel this way. You know, when you when you take that in and you you know when you feel those emotions, even though they're bad emotions, it's teaching you something. It's teaching you that, like, okay, uh, I don't like being around that type of energy. Uh, maybe I don't like being around you know that type of person. Like, maybe it's just this specific person a specific situation but you know maybe you know it's that person i shouldn't be around that person at all or maybe i should only be around that person in specific situations or maybe you know i should avoid this type of person like completely or maybe i should you know develop some certain skills some internal you know social skills and mental skills so that if this happens again you know i'm not going to be thrown off mentally my afternoon's not going to be ruined and i'm not going to be thinking about it so again, I'm not saying that all of your states should be 
perfect all the time. I'm saying like when you do experience these emotions like of sadness, you know, when you reflect and, you know, maybe like you said, like you even have emotion come up and you start to cry. Well then remember, you know, how you felt in that moment. Remember why you felt, in the, how you felt in that moment. And then make some type of plan. That's the most important part so that you have something to do some type of action to take so that that's not going to happen again, you know, and the action should never be to just tell someone that you're sad and just get them to comfort you while you're sad. It's great that someone will comfort you while you're sad, but that's only going to help you in that moment. It's not yeah. going to get to the deep rooted issue that that's going on. I love it, man. Great words to end on there. Well, that's, uh, that's all I got for today anyway. So let's, uh, let's end you there. <laughs> nice, man. Well, let everybody, before we head out of here, just let everybody know where they can follow you, where they can find more information, et cetera. Uh, you got some great stuff going on, dude. 420. I don't know 420. Uh, just turned 421. It's all good. Uh, but uh, yeah, how you can follow me. So Mike Hart. Uh, md.com is my website but i'm on all socials at dr mike hart so i'm on uh, instagram facebook uh, linkedin twitter and it's d-r-m-i-k-e-h-a-r-t awesome brother thanks so much for having me on uh even you know hopefully all your uh all your listeners enjoyed it and uh you know if they have any any comments questions feedback you know i'd be happy to uh to address those um you know next time uh we do this Absolutely, man. Hey, Mike, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for joining me. This was awesome. I really appreciated it. Uh, and thank you guys all out there for listening and supporting this podcast. I greatly appreciate that as well. Until next time, I'm Evan Britton. This is the Ebb and Flow podcast, and I'm out of here. Peace.